0: Network. More violence, more threats, more intimidation, more price increases, shortages, spiking taxes, and our leaders are swimming in lies. You need real clarity. You need the truth. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. And your leader is Dan Newman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new week. Welcome. To TNN Live. Gosh, I hope you had a good weekend. Boy, I had a good one. I got to be honest with you. It's kind of a saga in the life of Dan Newman and Truth News Network this weekend. Listen to this. Evangel Christian Academy in Shreveport, a school that um, I dearly love. All six of our grandkids either are going through Evangel Christian Academy or have already graduated. Great athletics, great education across the board. Some of the best in the state of Louisiana. Just a historical school. Well, I'm into football. Those of you that know me, I'm really into football. So, Evangel Christian Academy played their first regular season game. And uh, played down in Geismar, Louisiana. Do you have any idea where Geismar, Louisiana is? Well, it's below Baton Rouge. It's um, across the, um, the bridge, in other words, across the Mississippi River, and uh, it's a bedroom community of Baton Rouge, and the high school is one of the most famous schools in Louisiana, big school, 2,600 students. It's called Dutchtown, which is an interesting game. Anyway, there's a lot of historical stuff regarding athletics in Louisiana, North Louisiana versus South Louisiana, and vice versa. Well, Evangel Christian Academy has, through the years, been a perennial football power in the state, and not in any private school division. In the public school division, they call it the LHSAA, the Louisiana High School Athletic Association. And Evangel Christian Academy has won 14 state championships in its history, which is epic in anybody's book, in the state of Louisiana especially. A bunch of NFL stars have come out of there. But you know what's most interesting about Evangel Christian Academy? It's not its athletics. And there are lots of things to brag about, about its athletics. It's not just about its education and its achievements there. Every year, rated among the top 10 or even higher of education schools based on test scores and academic competitions from around the state and other parts of the world. It's not that. It's because everything there is done based upon putting God first, the Bible, learning and practicing what Christianity is all about. And primarily, listen to this, it's teaching these young men and women how to be good Americans, but how to be good Christians wait a minute, you can't do that in education here in the United States. Well, you can at Evangel Christian Academy. So anyway, um, jumped in the car, went to Dutchtown. Now, Dutchtown is about five hours away from here. Got back into town uh, about 1:32 o'clock Saturday morning. Got a couple hours of sleep. And then I jumped in the car and I went to a men's conference across the border in Scottsville, Texas, our church having a a men's conference, a two-day men's conference. And uh, I went for the opening session. Uh, My brother, Denny Duran, who's chancellor of the school and head coach, uh, we went over there and he spoke for the opening session. Then we jumped back in the car, came back to Shreveport. I dropped him off at his house and I went to my house for a couple of hours, and then we jumped back in the car, and drove to DFW, Dallas Fort Worth Airport, and we flew to Modesto, California. What <laughs> what's in Modesto? Boom Boom Berto. If any of you listening are from Louisiana, you probably know the legend of Glenn or Boom Boom Berto. He's from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He was a great running back in high school. He went to Louisiana Tech, and that's where Denny Duron, our brother, was at the same time. They were both freshmen together. Denny, his first two years, played played wide receiver, and then they switched him to quarterback, which is really his natural position. And he and Glenn interacted not as, hey, brothers on the football team. Glenn didn't like Denny. (laughs) Denny was called to preach, was already preaching, an evangelist, and Glenn was a heathen from South Louisiana. He called himself a Mardi Gras Christian when he, got, when he met Jesus, a <laughs> Mardi Gras Christian. And there's a little Louisiana flavor in that. But anyway, Glenn was passing on the leadership mantle of the House Modesto, which is a church that he took over 30 years ago, and it just exploded. And let me just give you an example. You can go anywhere you want to in Modesto, California, which is a city of about 150, maybe 200,000 people. Anybody, everybody knows Glenn Berto. Why is that? Because he reached that city. They have seen thousands of people come to find a personal relationship with God through 30 years. They have other churches. They call them house churches. It's the House Modesto is the name of the the mothership, the church there in Modesto. They have one in Fort Worth, his son, Micah, and a young lady out of our home church that he married pioneered that church. The seams are just busting the growth of the church there. One of his daughters and son-in-law, Pastor The House San Diego. They've got churches all over the world. Glenn is in Australia, just to kind of give you a, idea what kind of personality he is. He is pretty much felt by Australians the same way Americans feel about Billy Graham. Glenn was passing the mantle of the house churches, including the main campus there in Modesto, to his son, Micah. And Denny Duran was there, and he actually prayed the prayer for the transition. I've been in Christianity and ministry for 50-plus years, folks. I've never in my life seen anything like it. It was amazing. It was an epic thing, monumental, historical thing for me. And all of that was very special. We got to meet and spend a little time with Glenn and Debbie Berto, who all came from Louisiana, and we all went to college together. My wife, Marianne, I met there. She was a product of the ministry at uh, Louisiana Tech, the KAI Alpha Ministry. And so we, uh, Marianne didn't get to go with us, but we had a great time. And then Denny and I hopped on a jet last night, five o'clock in Sacramento. And we had to fly through Phoenix and then from Phoenix to Dallas. And then four hours back. And I got to bed this morning at about 4.30. So a very short weekend but a very very long weekend on content, and I am a blessed man. I had an amazing weekend interfacing with people. Now I'm on the way, and coming back, I got to experience some of the chaos implemented by our presidential administration. We're going to talk about that a bit. We're going to talk about some other things this morning that uh, aren't. Two happy things to talk about, but are necessary for us to consider. This week, folks, is going to be a busy week here at TNN Live. And let me, let me just pat you on the back. Let me just say, I, uh, you know, we, we, we schedule our stories, especially over weekend. As you know, if you're a fan and you're here a lot, we always do our Saturday bullet points where we give you a chance to catch up on any of the big stories of the previous week that you may have missed. And you can do it in a snapshot kind of thing. You get a couple of sentences in a headline. You may have already heard about it and don't want to know anymore. So you just skip on to the next bullet point. If you're unfamiliar or you want more details about those couple of sentences introducing a bullet point, there's a, uh, a hyperlink at the end of it, a blue arrow that you just click on, and it'll take you to a full story. And they're not always conservative stories or sources that you get. You get it both ways, folks. Sometimes we'll pull a story, a big story, and get the version of the other side of the aisle. And you'll click on it, and it'll be an MSNBC story or a CNN story, Washington Post story, New York Times. It's rare that I go there because very seldom do you get any truthful story. But we're trying to paint the total picture of factual information. And sometimes i got to be honest with you. What I just said, you talking about a bullet point, do it on your own. Sometimes when, when you're maybe looking at Fox News or Epoch Times or Breitbart News, Rasmussen or Federalist, and you read a story, purposely go to one of those other side of the aisle news outlets, Washington Post, New York Times, CNN, MSNBC, Wall Street Journal, and look at the way they portray the exact same stories. It's mind-boggling. In most cases, the actual perspective of what the content of these stories say are exactly opposite, from the left to the right. So putting that in the context of trying to get factual, factual information and be able to get a, a perspective of peaceful, truthful um, solace that you can put in your heart and live your life without being scared to death every day you can understand why so much chaos exists in our marketplace of ideas today people just are grasping for the truth now let me give you an example of it on a weekend usually we don't post a big story on Sunday unless something is happening We that's our, our day off there was not a live story that went up yesterday on truthnewsnet.org but between our Saturday bullet points and the stories that were read yesterday by people all across America and some around the world who just want to catch up on what they may have missed, over a million five hundred thousand people read stories this weekend at truthnewsnet.org Now what does that tell you? It tells you people are hungry People are concerned. People are really looking for confirmation for facts. And I got to be honest with you. I lived through an atmosphere this weekend that I don't like. Folks, the Biden administration, the FDA, the CDC, and TSA, they have commercial airlines and the commercial airline transportation system. Lock down and treat everybody like criminals. I was in some really big airports, some of the biggest this weekend Phoenix, Dallas, Fort Worth, Sacramento, California, the capital of California. And passengers are like convicts. I mean, they threaten you. Official messages coming from the Department of Justice and the Centers for Disease Control, and even audio input from the president of the United States. And you know what they're all talking about mask wearing and vaccines. They're promoting vaccines. But the worst thing is you were threatened over and over and over again. If you're a passenger in commercial travel, air travel today, and it's, it's built right now around masks. And they tell you point blank, it is required by the federal government. Anybody in any airport property, any place in airport property, must wear a mask at all times. They even tell you the mask has got to cover your mouth and your nose. Anybody that doesn't do that is subject to being removed from the property. And then if I happen to fly uh, American Airlines on the plane when they do those disclaimers and they tell you, you know, if the, if you're flying across the desert and your plane crashes in a lake, they tell you how to, how to not drown. You know, that thing they do, they have to do it all the time. Now they are adding and the pilot on every flight that I was on, the pilot comes on and the last pilot, you know, I got, I got back to Dallas Fort Worth at about one o'clock this morning um, on that that leg from Phoenix to Dallas, he was apologetic that he, that he had to say it. But they threaten you. If you don't do the mass thing the right way and you're on the plane, they can remove you from the plane and it may result in your arrest and the probability you'll be barred from their airline on future flights. That kind of stuff doesn't happen in the United States of America. It just doesn't happen. I learned a lot this weekend. I had a great weekend. I missed my wife. I missed my dogs. But it was great to be with friends in that men's conference. Oh, my goodness. I was just there for the opening segment. It was amazing. It was amazing. The title of the open. segment, opening segment was the father's love the father being God and how men need to interact with God and have personal relationships with God and that they shouldn't determine the relationship they have with God on necessarily the relationship they have with their earthly fathers as you probably know if 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 it's not you personally, you know some person or some people that have really had tough relationships with their fathers. Not so much with God. Yeah, God's up there and he wants us to do the right thing and he leads us down a path to do the right things and he's upset when we don't. But it doesn't work the same way. Very seldom does it work the same way. A man's relationship, personal relationship with God and those that he has or had with his father. Things are happening in the nation today and you got to find some places of relief and some places where you can go and sit down and breathe easy and have some peace. Find those places. Find one today. Segment out a, a bit of time in your personal life. I know how busy everyone is. I'm busy. Everybody I know is busy. And it beats the alternative, which is having nothing to do. But kind of work your way. Just kind of push your way through the chaos normalcy of your life. Whatever it is, work, school, being a mom, keeping a house, your obligations, your social obligations, push through them and just don't let them get the best of you. And target, find a special place. And I'm not necessarily talking about a geographical spot a place in your life, look at your schedule and just take and point and circle a specific time and place in that day, each day for you to just sit down, be still and do something quiet that gives you a chance to put some of the chaos aside in your life because there's plenty enough there to go around. And don't worry when you get through and get out of that special place, it'll come back and get you. But find a way to get yourself prepared and keep yourself prepared. You will appreciate it. And everybody in your family will appreciate it too. So while I was away, I know this may surprise you, but things kept happening in our world. And yeah, some of the things that happened weren't good. A lot of new information, a lot of truth about what's going on around us came out. You know, they've got this special election coming up this week out in California regarding a recall of California Governor Gavin Newsom. Larry Elder, African American man, happens to be a very conservative man, is leading the polls on the Republican side. But here we go, folks. Here we go. What does that mean? Tomorrow there's going to be an Election in California. And everybody's watching, everybody's listening with all the chaos surrounding the November 3rd last year, 2020 election around the nation. And when I say chaos, I'm talking about, I'm going to say the words. So you can cancel me if you want to. You can call me a conspirator, a conspiracy theorist if you want to, but it's facts there were amazingly large in number and volume call them irregularities call them malfeasance call them stealing there was an amazing amount that has already been proven over and over and over again that election in November 3rd wasn't honest and fair now was all the dishonesty and the unfairness significant enough to overchange and overturn the results? We'll probably never know for sure. But that's not the point. It's real. It's out there. And our president will stand up today and he will scream in his highest voice or his lowest whisper. There was no cheating in that election. Folks, there have already been dozens dozens of people arrested, prosecuted, some are in jail. There are in one state alone, there are 512 election fraud cases in court filed, 512 in Texas alone regarding cheating in the November 3rd 2020 election. So everybody's looking at this special election, this recall election in California, and everybody's watching and wondering, well, let me tell you what, it's already started. It's already started. Let me give you a couple of examples. At El Camino Real Charter School in Woodland Hills, California, some voters that went in to vote early, they say they were told that computers, when they went to check in at their precinct to vote, showed them as already having voted even though they had not. One lady named Estelle Bender, age 88, said poll workers told her and several of her friends that were with her they had already voted. She witnessed another man arguing with a poll worker over the same issue. What happened today and how shocked are you? A reporter asked her. I'm very shocked. I went to El Camino High School to vote, she said. Got there at 10.30 a.m., gave her this ballot, and she scanned and said, you've already voted. And I said, no, I haven't. She said, this has been happening all morning. The man next to me was arguing the same thing at the same time. Bender filled out a provisional ballot, and she left the poll feeling really angry. I saw two women walking toward me as I left, and I said, don't be surprised if they tell you you've already voted. And she said, they've already done that. If I voted, how did I vote? According to Bender, the people she knew affected by the issue were, quote, self-identified Republicans. I asked the couple of young women that I talked to, and I said, are you by any chance Republicans? And they said yes. The Los Angeles County Registrar Recorder's Office said equipment was replaced at the polling center and that provisional ballots are a fail-safe option for these kinds of glitches. The voters who experienced this issue were offered and provided provisional ballots, the fail-safe option to ensure no one is turned away from voting. That came from the Los Angeles County Registrar's Recorder's Office. Provisional ballots are regular ballots. And once the eligibility of the voter is verified, they're processed and counted. After troubleshooting the issue, the equipment at the locations was replaced and voting continued. Now, let me just ask you a question, just a hypothetical question. What election equipment do you think is at Los Angeles County precincts around Los Angeles County? What brand? Who provides it? Dominion. Just saying. <laughs> just saying. Uh, I'm not going to pontificate. I'm not going to say, ooh, this or any of that. I'm just I'm just I'm just giving you a story, telling you what's happening right now in Los Angeles. It's going to be curious to watch the results of this recall. Of Gavin Newsom tomorrow for a lot of reasons but for me principally it's to find out if the election is fair and I can tell you right now there's 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 always been more and greater and broader vote cheating in California it's been documented people have gone to jail the mainstream media cover it up it's no big deal ballot harvesting is the thing that they they just have practiced out there for years and in California, their legislature made it legal to ballot harvest. Now, what's ballot harvesting? Well, they, being political hacks, and they're typically Democrats, not always, but typically, their party sends these people out into various communities. And it's usually among elderly people, many in retirement centers, um, some in minority communities. And they'll put the word out around here. If you're getting mail in ballots, hey, Give us a call and let us know when you get them, and we'll come help you fill them out. So make sure you understand everything. When that happens, I mean, they'll even go door to door asking if they can come in and help you then. This has been going on for years, and it's been legal. But what they do is they help you fill them out. But then they tell you, look, just to make sure your ballot is, it gets to the registrar's office, to make sure it gets counted, we're collecting a bunch of people, but their ballots, just like yours, to take down there personally to make sure they get there. We'll be glad to take yours down there for you. Now, that sounds benign. I mean, it's just doing folks that don't have the capacity or the time to get out and go vote or go cast their ballot or mail their ballot or whatever. But don't you see that process is rife for fraud fraud happens over and over and over. It really does. So we're going to watch closely and we're not going to spend a lot of time when the stories start, in addition to the one we just told you about coming out. We're not going to waste a lot of your time but we're going to kind of market and keep up, kind of keep a tab of those voter fraud cases that pop out of this election tomorrow. Los Angeles Times columnist Gene Guerrero yesterday on CNN, said that California Republican gubernatorial candidate Larry Elder, you know, the African American man, I told you, who's out there. Now think about it. Let me put in context what she said. Larry Elder has a white supremacist world view which made him a real threat to communities of color. Now Guerrero's not a A black woman. She's Hispanic. Let me ask you this. Isn't her saying that about Larry Elder, who is black, who grew up in a poor area of Los Angeles, very poor area, and he is a conservative, he is a Republican, and it's because he chose to be so. The press in California, especially in Los Angeles County, they have painted Larry Elder, a black man, as a white supremacist. In fact, one editorial called him the black face of white supremacy. I did not know you could be a white supremacist or espouse white supremacist philosophies if you're not white. I mean... Black activists tell everybody, if you're not black, there's no way you can figure out and understand the problems in life that African-American people go through. But yet, when you change the color, it's okay. It's okay. Guerrero said, people largely want to keep Gavin Newsom in office. We have about 60% reporting they're against the recall, that they want to keep Newsom in office. A lot of that driven by voters of color, particularly Latinos who are now about 66% against the recall. She continued, he's essentially been running his campaign on Fox News and on right-wing media outlets. He's refused to talk to nonpartisan media outlets and a journalist who are critical of him has refused to answer difficult questions, often uses the few interviews he does gives as an opportunity to have a performance on social media, denouncing those journalists and playing the victim. But he's been able to reach the minority of voters in California who embrace his white supremacist worldview. Guerrero added, you know, he's co-opted this line by my fellow columnists from the headline, you know, calling him the black face of white supremacy. But, he, Larry Elder, refuses to engage with the actual substance of our reporting. You know, the idea that his views shaped by a well known right supremacist named Jared Taylor, who he repeatedly quoted in earlier writings, that he plans to reverse all of the state's progress on immigrant rights and racial justice, and that he poses a very real threat to communities of color. For all of the reasons that we've reported in the past, you know what, what the common thread in all of these television print internet news reports about anybody that runs for office in any state, in any community, at any level from president on down, anybody that runs, they use color, skin color and political party affiliation as a weapon against you and it has nothing to do with facts. You just I just read a big chunk of this column that Guerrero wrote yesterday verbatim and she called him a white supremacist. She said he wants to take egregious government actions against people of color but you know what they always leave out? Facts. They never give quotes. They never give specifics this person has gone public with and said, here's what I'll do if I'm elected. If I hold this office, I'm going to do this, this, this. They never do that. They never tell you what about uh, Larry Elder, what specific things he said and he's written that can possibly paint him as being a person who espouses white supremacy. They leave out that little fact thing. You know, that fact thing. Wow. We've got a couple of audio pieces that I want you to hear today. Jen Saki, President Biden, Representative Brady, a member of the U.S. House of Representatives. He weighed in over the weekend and uh, he gave about a little two-minute diatribe about the insanity that's going on in Congress. It just struck me as I couldn't believe it. I'm going to share that with you. We're going to break into um, a, uh, a very shocking interview on one of the national talk shows over the weekend. Obama's CIA director, Barack Obama's CIA director, and he just excoriates this president. Not just for the way the withdrawal happened in Afghanistan, but what the way it happened and how it's been handled by the Biden administration in the aftermath. And we're not through it yet, folks. There are still, I guarantee you, there are hundreds of Americans that are locked up in Afghanistan, not just in Kabul, but in other places around the nation that are fighting for their lives and the lives of their family members, just trying to get out. You know that thing, we're never going to leave an American behind in Afghanistan. Biden said it over and over and over again. They won't give us the number. The State Department won't tell us. Don't think for a second. They don't know to a person, not only how many there are, but knows their names, their Social Security numbers, their addresses, their family members in the U.S. Just like always, they don't give us the facts. It's going to be interesting. Hey, listen, too. We want you to join us here. 866-37-TRUTH. 866-378-7884. Back after this. We've got meat. Yeah, that's all up. Uncertain about what you see and hear in mainstream media? Worried about getting the truth? No worries anymore. Get the truth. Only the truth. At TNN, the Truth News Network. At truthnewsnet.org.
1: I love
2: going all natural It just makes me feel better
3: Nothing between me and my 100% all natural Juicy Grass-fed beef.
2: Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food. With no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam.
3: When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call one 800 directv tv
0: While some compromise to be nice, others aggressively hold to the truth. Guess which one we are? TNN, the Truth News Network. I, I just, I just get a sense in my bones Donald Trump's going to run for re-election. I, I just feel like he's going to, he's going to run for that second term. A lot of people think it's a good idea. A lot of people think he shouldn't. Even a lot of Republicans say, you know what? We, he, he got a lot done, a lot of good stuff done. But boy, he created a lot of chaos during his administration. Maybe he just needs to step aside. Maybe he just needs to support conservative candidates around the nation and not run for office again. The book's still out. I, I do know this much about him, and I speak occasionally to some people that are very close to him, some from his administration, some still are very close to him. And uh, he wants to run. And the reason he wants to run is to fix this stuff. Folks, we all watched and saw. Forget about the fact I, and you can't forget about it. I'll take that back. I'm not telling you to forget about it. Um, but don't let your decisions that you make don't let them be based on the emotions of stuff. I could not stand the way President Trump communicated. I wish he never got on Twitter. I wish somebody in his administration would have been endowed to be the person that wrote the content for his tweets. But folks, that's the way he communicated. And you know what? I, I told you about my brother, Denny Durant, pastor. He he asked me to see if I could get a letter that he wrote into the hands of President Trump shortly after he was elected. And it was a very supportive letter Saying basically, I want every person, excuse me, every person in office to be successful for the people they represent. And Mr. President, I want you to be successful. You've got great plans and ideas. I pray for you every day. But I've got fellow evangelicals that have really, have been really, um, they've paused in their thinking, excuse me because of your messaging. If, if you would consider to tone it down, I think these people and others like them may continue to support you, but it would sure make it easier on a lot of people if you could tone down your messaging. I know the email was open. Sent it to the White House and sent it. I had uh, Ivanka Trump's email address, and both of them are open. have no idea if the president got it, there are millions of conservatives that felt that way. I get it. I was one of them. But listen to this. Do you know that there are at least 50, maybe 60, maybe 70 million Americans that when the leader of the free world gives a speech, addresses a rally, and they talk in the context of what these people communicate and how they communicate themselves every day, and how others in their community, their circle of influence, communicate the same way. They identified with that. There's no question Donald Trump was and is divisive. You love him or you don't, period. That's pretty much the way it is. You for sure love the way and the things he accomplished when he was in the White House, no question about it. He did more than has any other president in my lifetime at getting things done that he, when he was campaigning, committed that he was going to do. And now Joe Biden, Joe Biden is deathly afraid of Donald Trump. You can tell it every time his name comes up. He very seldom will ever mention his name. He'll say my predecessor, the other guy, all those kinds of things, trying to demean president Trump. But now Biden is on a tear, folks. I want you to listen to this. Uh, turn your noise around you down a little bit. He's he's talking in a crowd here, and it's a conversation. He's not giving a speech, but listen closely to President Biden address some of the things about Donald Trump in comparison to his administration, the Biden administration. And I've
3: had that uh, one-on-one summit with Putin, and I've spoken with others. There's a lot of autocrats who truly believe that democracies can't function in the 21st century. It's not a joke. They think because the world is changing so rapidly and people are so divided, you can't bring people together in a democracy to get a consensus. And the only ones that are going to be able to succeed are the autocrats. That's why it's so damn important we demonstrate. Everybody says, Biden, why do you keep insisting on trying to bring the country together? That's the thing that's going to affect our well-being more than anything else how the rest of the world responds to us. Knowing that we actually can, in fact, lead by the example of our power again. I think we can do it. We've got to do it. But I'm just laying out what I think has to be done to bring this country back. You've heard me say it a thousand times, this is the most unique country in the whole damn world. We're an idea. It's an idea. It's not based on ethnicity, it's not based on geography, it's not based on religion, it's not, it's an idea, it really is, we hold these truths, I mean, we never lived up to it, but we've never walked away from it, except the last previous four years, you know, I mean, but it is, the the, the kinds of things, or, you know, stuff that's coming out of Florida, stuff that's coming out of, you know, Robert E. Lee, but in Afghanistan, you'd have won. Anyway, I'm I'm, I'm telling you too much. Come on. So you guys got a tough job, and I'm glad I don't have it. So anyway, I'm going to...
2: Thank you, guys. Come on, you guys stay here. Thank you.
0: That was an impromptu little get-together at some public gathering, and uh, Biden used it as a... uh, uh, I don't want to say a press conference, a press briefing, but a conversation. But I want to point out a few things in what he had to say there. He talked about met with Putin, met with Xi. You know, these are autocrats. You know what a, a what an autocrat is. Let's let 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 us let, do this. I'm just going to do something a little odd. Didn't plan on it, just thought it. But when um, when we hear the president of the United States just egregiously reaching out and attacking a previous president, which, to be honest with you, very few do that. Most presidents have enough class where uh, you, you don't come out publicly and attack your predecessor. Let me do this. I'm looking up right now the definition of autocratic kind of government. Let's see. Da, da, da. There are, I mean, there are tons of them. Okay. Autocratic, tending to impose one's will on others in an insistent or arrogant manner, domineering, pertaining to or of the nature of autocracy, absolute, holding independent and unlimited power, Powers of government. Now, you just heard the President of the United States. He pointed to Vladimir Putin. He pointed to President Xi, Xi Jinping, in China. And he pointed to Donald Trump. Autocrats. Let me ask you this. What autocratic content came out of the Trump administration? What big time, what any kind of uh, executive order or edict or something that came out of the Trump White House, executive orders, that's kind of the way that they do most of it, which one or ones came out of the Trump administration that changed the law, any law? I mean, let's face it, Congress is the only constitutional body in the United States that can make laws. The only ones. There's not a single one that Trump did. In fact, everything he did, he was careful to point Americans to the Constitution, to the rule of law. And any problem that he had with Congress, and he had a bunch, even the first two years of his administration, when he was supposed to have a united Congress where Republicans control both the House and the Senate, he couldn't get a lot done because of politics. Many of those people in D.C. that were conservatives, rhinos, Republican in name only, many of them just sat back and folded their arms and said, you got to show us you're a conservative. but he got a whole lot of things done. And the majority of the things that he did were beneficial to who? To everyday Americans. Not so much to political class, but to everyday Americans. Things that impacted Americans directly. So here's our president, and he's up some meeting, whatever, but has an impromptu conversation with members of the media. And he talks about autocracy. Oh, you know, autocracy, you know, that's not the way to go. We're a democracy. You know, you know. But look at what the guy before me did for four years. People ask me why I keep talking about bringing America, the nation, together. It's because we're not. A country of just a bunch of different people and ideas. We're not a country where autocrats run our country like the previous guy. We've got to bring together the nation again. Well, folks, let me ask you this what the heck has he done to try to bring us together? He keeps telling us he's going to. I mean, let's face it, there is no constitutional way that a president of the United States has authority to change anything that is already law. Historically, previous presidents have principally used executive orders to clarify legislation that's already on the books. If there were some unanswered parts of it and the president has come out and redefine it. Joe Biden, he's just... stamping, stomping all over the rule of law specific laws let me give you an example do you know that it's a felony to cross our border if you don't have an invitation from someone in the United States government that makes it okay they're breaking the law the second they walk into or fly into or swim into our country. They are here illegally. There are specific penalties Congress passed, a Congress full of Democrats passed, defining exactly what can be done legally and also the penalties in detail for any of those acts that are taken that are illegal. This president He's never held a single illegal. In fact, he's had his Department of Homeland Security under Anthony Mayorkas to open up the door and let the floodgate of these illegals come across our nation. Not only are they not being held accountable for it, they're being sent all over the nation. We have no idea how many. Hundreds of thousands, we do know that. Probably a million already in the eight months of his administration. And I can't say that factually, but we know the numbers that the Border Patrol are giving us of people that get through that they were unable to confront and stop from coming in, and it's in the hundreds of thousands. Donald Trump was all about at the southern border, enforcing immigration laws. If you don't like the immigration laws, and there are some parts of our federal immigration laws I'm not crazy about. But I'm not going to just ignore the laws that are passed by the people's representatives in government. Joe Biden, every day, breaks on his watch. He's suborning illegal activity by allowing people in the hundreds of thousands to cross our southern border. Another thing constitutionally folks the right of your body and everything to go with it belong to you unilaterally and for children it's their parents unilaterally the federal government has no authority, no constitutional authority to come in and demand that you be vaccinated I don't care what the political pundits tell you I don't care We are not experiencing a medical emergency because of one parasite, one virus. We are not. It is ramped up in context to instill fear in Americans, and they are using that to lock us down. I have, folks, the mass thing that I talked about this weekend in air travel, It is rife from top to bottom with lies. Somebody asked me this week, I was sitting in church in Modesto, California, and a gentleman that sat next to me, he knew who I was, he knows about, and he listens to this show. He may be listening today, as a matter of fact. And he questioned me. Do masks work? And he said, I hear all kinds of Yes, they do. No, they don't. And I just can't get my arms around the truth. And I said, hey, listen, a few weeks ago at Truth News Network, we published a story and we referenced in it 47 different masked control laboratory tests of every mask used for medicine in the United States. According to each, every one of the 47 reports, lab reports, I mean, medical peer-reviewed, not one mask in the marketplace today has the efficacy to stop a COVID-19 molecule from going in or coming out. There's not one. And he said, you know what? I hear people talk about that, but then I see some of these, and I said, guess where those 47 are, those lab reports that we, we published verbatim. Guess where they're listed? Guess where they're put out publicly? He didn't know. The CDC website. <laughs> the CDC themselves say, masks don't help COVID-19. We had Dr. Judy Mikovits, who was, was Tony Fauci's partner back in the 90s. They co-developed everything on HIV-AIDS together. They got crossways with each other. Basically, Fauci demanded a paper, and investigative report, tons of laboratory stuff that she did. He didn't have anything to do with. He demanded she give it to him so he could have it published. She refused, and she was kicked to the curb. To keep from going to jail without any kind of charges or any kind of information about something she did against the law, he threatened her, and she had to sign a gag order, a 10-year gag order. Couldn't talk to the public. Truth News Network, TNN Live, was the first place she went when that gag order expired. She said masks are the worst thing a doctor can prescribe the way it was being used last March and April when she came aboard with us in May. It destroys the O2 concentration in our bodies. And COVID, folks, the way that it kills people is it inflames lungs. And it prevents lungs from being able to fully oxygenate the blood of their person they're in when it comes through during heartbeats. And so people in large that die from COVID die from suffocation. They can't get oxygen. Masks make it worse. Not better. They make it worse. So many lives out there. And I understand... I got to be, my wife will tell you, I'm a reader, voracious reader, researcher. I read all the time. When I was on the plane going and coming, I was uh, I actually, I, you know, I buy the the Wi-Fi service when I'm on a long flight so I can load up and take that time to investigate and find stuff. I did it both coming and going from California Saturday and yesterday. It's hard to find facts because there's so much stuff put out there that's purposely incorrect. I'm not talking about our government having a conspiracy against us or anything. I don't know what's going on. But what I do know factually is much of what we were hearing out of the Biden administration, Anthony Fauci, a bunch of other doctors, all of the quote-unquote facts about COVID-19 are false. Why are they doing it? I have no idea. I have suspicions. I'll share my suspicions with you, but I'm going to give you a disclaimer before I say these. These are my opinion, my opinion based upon research that we've done. There are a couple of reasons why I think this is happening. Number one, it began, I'm almost positive of this, as an experiment. Hard lefties in our government you know, maybe some autocrats or some autocrat wannabes like Joe Biden. He just admitted, based upon his definition and his allegations against Donald Trump, you just heard him. He, Joe Biden, is an autocrat, based upon not what he thinks or what we think he thinks, what he says and what he does. No authority, no constitutional law in place to give the president authority to enforce. He throws out an executive order, that on his face may be okay because of a perceived a fake emergency situation that may or may not give him authority to do it, but anybody that disagrees, he calls them an autocrat. I think it was an experiment to see just how far Americans were willing to go to give up our rights to let this or any government control them It shocked me how quick last year we all were because of fear, because of lack of knowledge, lack of information. All of the is it any wonder to you, have you ever thought through all these medical experts that marched up there, that were put on the front in television national cameras day after day after day were telling us all this stuff, like doctor Anthony Fauci. I gotta be honest with you, he's the biggest fraud in medicine I've ever known in my lifetime. Absolutely a fraud. How do you define a fraud? It's somebody who purposefully propagates lies over and over again, and people pay a price for the lies that this person sells. That is just a perfect picture of Anthony Fauci in our life. What is it all about? Well, power is one thing. Money is something else. Money is something else. I, let, let me let me let me just see something here. Let me see if I added this this story for the day, because Fauci yesterday on one of the the uh, yeah. Listen to this, Anthony Fauci. Now this is the guy, the guru. He's the number one guy, even though he's not the head of the CDC. He's the head of that little department under the CDC, the one that spends billions of taxpayer dollars on research and stuff like that around the world. Listen to what he said yesterday. I would support, he said, if you want to get on a plane and travel with other people, you should be vaccinated. He said that yesterday during an interview with the Skims podcast, which was taped Friday and it was released yesterday. Fauci's backing of a travel vaccine mandate comes after Representative Don Beyer, who's a Democrat from Virginia, introduced a bill last Thursday that calls for all airline and train passengers in the U.S. to show proof of vaccination or a present negative COVID-19 test in order to get on the plane or the train. The legislation that's proposed is called the Safe Travel Act. It advocates for all travelers on Amtrak, commercial airlines to be vaccinated against COVID or provide a negative COVID test taken within 72 hours of traveling. It also seeks to require all employees, contractors, subcontractors of Amtrak, commercial airlines either show proof of a completed vaccination series or present a negative COVID-19 test at least once every week. Now that's Fauci. Now, let me just throw out my number two reason that I believe the government has facilitated this craziness, lockdown attitude regarding COVID-19. My opinion again, why would Fauci come back with all of the question marks in the air about these vaccines? Listen, folks, don't for a second believe it's a fact, it's proven. I'll give you a reason for that, another reason for that in just a second, but let me go back to why I think they're doing it, the principal reasons. Why would he come back and want everybody that flies to be under a mandatory vaccine executive order? Why would he want everybody that flies, everybody that works for the airline, every contractor that works for these airlines and these airports, think about who that that includes. It includes TSA, air traffic controllers, workers, everyday workers, baggage claim people, ticket agents, all food and beverage people. Think about those I had last night. Um, I had a Diet Coke on a plane. I had a little package of pretzels on a plane. Think about the people behind all of that. Do you think that everybody in America is just all in on the belief of the vaccines? The CDC on their website publishes the VAERS, which are vaccine adverse effect things that happen to people that include deaths. And they're horrible. They don't talk about it. Sure, they're not going to talk about it because it proves these vaccines are killing a lot of people. There are more people getting hurt on COVID-19 vaccines from Pfizer, from Moderna, from Johnson & Johnson, just in the last year, more people getting hurt and even dying than have from 1991 until January 1 of this year for every vaccine that's been in production, all combined, Pfizer alone. There have been reported to the CDC over 20,000 people who have died from adverse reactions to the Pfizer vaccine. They don't talk about it. So in the middle of all that consternation, why the heck would Anthony Fauci get up on a national show and say he's for requiring every person that flies, every employee of every airline, and all contractors to be vaccinated? Follow the money. You remember that? You've heard or heard that here a time or two if you uh, listen to TNN Live very much. Follow the money? I want, in one of these hearings in which Fauci appears before a congressional committee, usually it's a Senate, I want somebody with him under oath to ask him if he has any personal, financial, personal, or maybe... Immediate or long-term or far-reaching, a personal financial stake in any of these vaccines. The reason I asked that, he was heavily involved in the Moderna vaccine. Follow the money. That's number two. What was the thing I was going to tell you about? Dad Gummit? Am I supposed to be able to say dad dadgummit? Is that a bad thing to say? I don't know. We're going to take our second break. I'm going to during the break I'm going to figure out what it was that I was going to tell you. It's very important, I know. Hold on. Back after this.
2: Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's employee of the month, 2 months in a row. Leave a message at the
1: When it comes to online meetings, you're crushing it. But if you want to crush something that's a little more fun, why not play Best Fiends, the five-star rated puzzle game? Best Fiends is loaded with challenging puzzles that are so much fun. And you're never accidentally on mute. So take a stress break with the cutest characters on the planet and download Best Fiends for free from the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best
2: Fiends. Play Best Fiends. How to improve your dining room by the Home Depot. New wood floors, new paint on the walls. Sure, you know us for that. But how about a new dining room table? Matching chairs, bar stools? How about free and flexible delivery with easy online returns? Now you can explore decor in a whole new way. Save now on furniture. Everything for your home. Everything from HomeDepot.com. How doers get more done. U.S. only valid through September 7th. Limitations apply. You love chocolate. Mmm, chocolate. You love M&M's. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate. So you've been avoiding (laughs) M&M's. Yeah. Well, fear no more. Huh? M&M's Dark Chocolate to the Rescue.
3: My heroes.
2: M&M's Dark Chocolate Candies. Available wherever fine candies are sold.
0: let's listen to a little bit of that that's a oh well equipment doesn't want us to listen to a little bit of that that's Mercy Mercy Me the ecology song Marvin Gaye hey um, I figured it out I remembered Um, it is regarding the Pfizer vaccine now I know everybody knows we heard FDA finally, fully approved Pfizer's vaccine. Well, guess what? It's not as it was portrayed. Now, let me read. This is a press release that was put out by the FDA when they released it. It was on August 23rd. Today, the FDA approved the first COVID-19 vaccine. The vaccine has been known as the Pfizer BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine will now be marketed as Comirnaty. Comer-nati, or Nati for the prevention of COVID-19 disease in individuals 16 years of age and older. It also continues to be available under emergency use authorization, including for individuals 12 through 15 years of age and for the administration of a third dose in certain immunocompromised individuals. Now, that sounds benign. Let me give you the real story here. Pfizer's BioNTech. That's the name of the drug, the COVID-19 vaccine that they've been using from the very beginning under emergency youth authorization only. I don't know what's wrong with my throat this morning. EUA is what that's called. Now, what that means is on a temporary basis until the final testing comes in and the FDA is totally confident, you can use this BioNTech Pfizer vaccine, but it's only on an emergency use authorization and under the care of your physician. Where'd that other name come in? The Comernati. Comer. Comer. Comernati. I'm trying to pronounce it the way they have it spelled phonetically. What the heck is that all about? Well, let me tell you what it's all about. The Comernati is a second side by side drug that Pfizer has been in laboratories getting ready to be introduced to the FDA, get their approval, and go to the marketplace for marketing it. So the FDA fully approved the Comirnaty drug. Fully approved. And they said in this, you heard me read it to you, The BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine will continue to be used, authorized by an EUA, an emergency use authorization. Now, why would they need that if it had been fully approved? Let me tell you the difference. And, you know, that thing I tell you, follow the money, this is another example of it. When a drug is in EUA status, emergency use authorization only, that, that usually is in the case of an emergency situation, obviously, in EUA, and that would apply to COVID nineteen, at least based upon what they tell us, maybe not so much on what they say, but what they or what they do, but what they tell us. Um, when that happens, the federal government indemnifies the drug company for any adverse effects. Anything happens to anybody that uses that drug that's being used only on an emergency basis. In other words, somebody gets sick and dies, and somebody wants to sue the drug company, they got to sue the federal government. They have indemnification for that. But immediately when a drug is taken out of the EUA status and is fully approved and on the marketplace... Authorized by the FDA, then the drug company is liable for all things that happen bad because of something about their drug. So you're putting two and two together? They kept the BioNTech COVID 19 vaccine in EUA. Comirnaty is approved, fully approved by the FDA. But guess what? You can't buy Comirnaty. It's not even being distributed yet. It's not out. When you want a Pfizer vaccine for COVID-19, you are going to get Pfizer's BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine. That's the one which the CDC has reported 20,000 Americans have died that have been reported to the CDC. And they tell us, there's a disclaimer on their website, that the number that they report is just a percentage of the real numbers because every adverse reaction, they're not going to necessarily get it reported to them. Those are just the ones that have been reported. 300,000 people have had serious adverse effects from the Pfizer BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine. This is not This is not something. This is not conspiracy, folks. This is factual information that is published by the Federal Drug Administration and by the Centers for Disease Control, but they don't go out and market that to any of us. They don't tell you about it. The only way you find out about it is you, you have the chutzpah yourself to go investigate for yourself. And in this media world where you can flip on the internet, the radio, anytime, day or night, 24-7, and find all kinds of political thuggery that's being couched as being factual medical information, and whose voice are you listening to? And I'm not saying anybody is wrong all the time. I'm not saying anybody is bad or evil. I'm not saying that at all. Here's what I'm saying. What we do and the reason we exist, Truth News Network and TNN Live, is we bring facts. And we don't tell you just because we say it, just because we print it. That means you've got to believe it. It's absolutely factual, uncontestable. That's not what we say here. What we're telling you is this is the information that we have found and verified, but we want you to listen to what we say, to read what we post, and then go verify its factual basis before you make a decision about it yourself. You don't hear that at CNN. You heard that report about the attack on Larry Elder by that L.A. Times columnist. She slammed him for attacking people of color, being a white supremacist, as a black man, all those kind of things. They never give you evidence to document it. If if that was a real journalist column, if somebody posted something that was really believable, What they always do when they make an allegation is give you evidence to back up their allegation. That never happens. Never happens when CNN or MSNBC or CNBC or the Washington Post, the New York Times, or other leftist news outlets, when they attack somebody in politics that is opposite their views politically. And they know that most Americans are just going to swallow it hook, line, and sinker. That's the horror in which we find ourselves today. So I've given you my synopsis of what I think is going on. I don't know what's going to happen next. I do know that the lawsuits are about to start flying, and this will end up at the Supreme Court. I would actually think, and I wish there was somebody out there that could pull all of these people together. We've been told that there are 21 state governors that are in the process of filing lawsuits against the Biden administration for this vaccination mandate. 21. There's a bunch of other entities, labor unions. I mean, even some Democrat labor unions for their members. They're slamming the Biden administration and considering litigation. I wish everybody could just pull together as one unit or maybe two or three, split it up and filed one or two or three massive class action lawsuits and file for emergency hearing with the United States Supreme Court. They're back together, not a public hearing time this part of the year, but they are back. And get this thing in front of the Supreme Court quickly. Because I can tell you this, I mean, just since this happened last Thursday, there are tens of thousands of people that had been on the border trying to make a good, clean, educated decision about whether to vax or not to vax including their kids in many cases and they're doing it they have no real consensus or understanding of the contents of these vaccines and what they can do and what they will do because it's very different folks in many cases from what's happening to people that take these vaccines I'm not trying to scare anybody I'm just telling you, get the facts, make your conclusion, make your decisions based on facts, nothing but facts. So former President Trump, he's out there en masse, he's making these um, rallies, a little smaller basis than before for him, but he's also endorsing candidates for national offices, even some state offices for fellow Republicans around the nation. And he's teasing his plans for 2024, and he said over the weekend that the country is getting to a point where we really have no choice but for him to run for president again. It was an interview with Fox Digital. He said this, I don't think we're going to have a choice, he said, it's disgraceful. He went on to bill the Biden administration's withdrawal from Afghanistan as the greatest embarrassment in the history of our country. When you look at Afghanistan and what happened, the death for no reason, just for no reason, he said, the military parents, they want to speak with me. They don't want to speak with Biden. They're just devastated. It's getting to a point where we really have no choice. He went on to slam Biden as an incompetent person as the leader of our country and called his administration divisive. Now, about the incompetent thing, that's, that's a personal opinion, and I'll give the former president that calling his administration divisive folks that's not an opinion that's what's going on they keep telling everyone he said how they want to get together to be inclusive they're not inclusive they are very very dividing and divisive over the weekend he was asked about a group of uh, law enforcement officials and an event commemorating 20 years since 9/11 about his potential campaign decision to which he replied I think you're going to be happy. I've heard him say that several times. Now I told you we were going to hear from several other people, Representative Brady, you already heard from uh, President Biden. But I want to go back to the White House. I want to go back to the White House. Jen Psaki, big conversation, big dispute out there, especially between... Kentucky Senator Rand Paul and Dr. Anthony Fauci on the gain-of-function thing. You know what gain-of-function is. That is a lab term that is used in laboratory investigation settings in which scientists will take a virus or sometimes a bacteria. They'll isolate it and take it. And they, using different lab tests, and they're real elaborate and they're all over the place and there are thousands of different versions of them, but they want to gain the function, the capabilities in these bacterias or viruses. And why they do that, they tell us, is if that virus or bacteria, it gets released in the world and it begins to impact people, how we can fight it. How, if it does get strong enough and, and viruses and bacteria, as you know, they morph, they become more difficult, they do it because um, it's a self-maintenance thing. When they're attacked with medicine, they don't just go away. They're going to try to fight for their survival. How do they do that? Sometimes they morph into second and third and fourth versions. That's why you have five or six or seven different versions of flu vaccines. They morph, and so they recreate or manipulate an existing antibody that they use in medicine to make it different, to attack the new version. Well, this lab process is called gain-of-function. And regarding COVID-19, there was a bunch of information back at the beginning that said this gain-of-function research was being done at the Wuhan Institute of Virology in Wuhan, China, and that we, through Dr. Fauci's organization, were granting money for the investigation in the laboratories to increase the seriousness of COVID-19. And there are all kinds of people out there, very, very informed people. One one Chinese scientist that was there, that has come forward, came to the United States, scared for her life, but she's come forward and said that's exactly what was going on. It's illegal for the United States government to participate in that. And Fauci has denied it from the beginning. He's called in a... Senate hearing, he's called Senator Rand Paul lying when Rand Paul, who's a doctor, by the way, labels some of the stuff that's been going on in that lab as gain-of-function research funded by Fauci. Well, last week, a bunch of emails came out, a bunch of information from people that were involved in the funding process for that, and they show that Fauci and his department of the National Instit- Institutes of Health were complicit in funding and supporting gain-of-function research. So, last Friday in a press briefing, Jen Psaki in the White House was pressed to respond about Fauci being exposed for not being truthful in Congress. By the way, lying to Congress (laughs) <laughs> it's it's criminal. <laughs> you can be you can be processed, you can be arrested, you can be charged with lying for Congress and it can put you in jail. So according to the documents that have been released, Fauci not once, not twice, not three, probably a dozen times under oath before Congress has allegedly lied about supporting gain of function. Here's how Jen Psaki responded in that press briefing when that was brought up about Fauci, and the email information that proved he wasn't being truthful before Congress.
1: First on COVID origins, you've said from that podium that under no circumstance would President Biden ever fire Dr. Fauci. Is that still the case, since Fauci told Congress the NIH never funded gain-of-function research for coronaviruses in Wuhan, but documents published by The Intercept suggest that is not true, which would mean that he misled Congress?
2: Well, first I would say that NIH uh, has uh, refuted uh, that reporting, um, and I would point you to that. But let me give you some highlights of that. Uh, NIH has never approved any research that would make a coronavirus more dangerous to humans. I'm reminded that there are previous and different coronaviruses than the existing one we're battling. And the body of science produced by this research demonstrates that the bat coronavirus sequences published from that work uh, NIH supported were not. Uh, Covid the the strain Covid two strain Uh, so what he said was correct. So his job is safe.
0: Correct. Circle back. Circle back. Saki. When she was asked the question, she didn't have a real answer. What did she do? She grabbed that notebook and she pulled it over to the canned answer. She had prepared or had some of her staff prepare. Oh, you're going to be asked about Fauci and he's lying and the emails or whatever. So you got to come up with a standard answer. Did you notice? She never said it didn't happen. She said the National Institutes of Health have never funded research for gain of function for COVID-19. Now, here's the way those grants work. The NIH will give a medical grant. They give out hundreds of them every year. Laboratories, most of them are to university Uh, laboratories across the United States, University of Texas has a massive one, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, another one, give them grants for scientists within those labs to work on medical stuff of all kinds. I mean, it's millions of dollars. It's come to light in the last six months, by the way, that the Chinese government has been giving these grants to United States medical university projects. That's a little bit spooky to me. Should be to every American. So what she did was she tried to negate it, but in doing that, all she did was diminish it. There was no refutation that it didn't happen. In fact, we have documentation that shows the NIH made grants, and they did not go directly to the Wuhan Institute of Virology, but an interim not-for-profit that is known that is known for being go-betweens on some of these grants and medical research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. We know factually, and he Fauci would not negate that some of this grant money went to the Wuhan Institute of Virology, but what he refutes is that it explicitly went for gain-of-function research regarding COVID-19. Boy, they tiptoe around. They'll never come out and just say, refute it, you know, answer this question, yes or no, and they always answer with somehow getting away with most of the time, maybe (laughs) or maybe not. That's the answer they come up with. Did you hear over the weekend what's happening up in New York? This one blows my mind, but this is just the beginning of this. It's going to get much, much worse. A hospital in upstate New York. Guess what they did? They put a hold, a 100% hold, on delivering babies. Now, how does a hospital do that? I don't know, but the reason they did it was too many of their workers in its maternity unit just left the hospital. They resigned over the COVID-19 vaccine mandate. Lewis County General Hospital is forced to temporarily stop all baby deliveries after September 24th, due to the staff's refusal to get vaccinated. So far, six employees in the hospital's maternity ward have chosen to resign instead of getting the vaccine. Another seven are undecided. If we can pause the service and now focus on recruiting nurses who are vaccinated, we will be able to re-engage in delivering babies here in Lewis County. That's according to the Lewis County Health System Chief Executive Officer Gerald Kyer. Since the vaccine was mandated for healthcare workers August 23rd, 30 workers have resigned, 20 of whom held clinical roles like nurses, therapists, and technicians. While 464 of the hospital's workers have been vaccinated, 165 others have yet to receive the vaccine. It's just a crazy time, he said, emphasizing the hospital will not be shutting down services. It's not just LCHS-centric, specific to this hospital. Rural hospitals everywhere are really trying to figure out how we're going to make it work. It's not just rural folks around the nation. The media won't report on this, but reports are big hospitals, little hospitals, country hospitals, big city hospitals, up to 40% of the frontline healthcare workers, that would be doctors, technicians, but principally nurses, are refusing to take the vaccine. Now, why Why so many, you ask? Well, I mean, that's a perfect question to ask in this scenario. We need to know why. We need to know why. In the early going of this, this thing, in California, half... Of healthcare workers in California refused to get the vaccine. I don't know if the numbers have changed because the media doesn't report on that. And you know what's going on there? A couple of weeks ago, we had the mother of a nurse from a Northern California hospital. That nurse manages the emergency room, staffing in the emergency room at this big hospital. And she very quietly, very secretly talked to her mother and approved her mother to talk to us here live on the air and and relate that information. She's afraid for her job. She's not going to take the vaccine, at least at that point. She wasn't going to do it. It wasn't mandated at that point. Um, Things may have changed now. I hope not because I want anybody that chooses to get the vaccine gets the vaccine because they choose to do so on their own, not because the President of the United States has issued an executive order requiring it. But she said it's almost impossible for them to get nurses at their hospital and other big hospitals across Northern California where she works. And that she's thinking about leaving and going somewhere else, trying to stay in health care, but she's she's a single mom. She's got to replace somehow replace the income in her family. She can't change jobs and make less money without a drastic change in her lifetime. She even talked about moving to Texas, out of California, moving to Texas, because the cost of living is so much less in Texas than California, number one. And secondly, the political atmosphere in Texas is way, way, way less caustic than that in California. So listen to what I'm about to tell you. Today, around the nation, I would say probably in the last time I saw the numbers, it was about 30%. 30% of the doctors that have hospital privileges that actually deal with patient surgeries, et cetera, in hospitals, less than 30% of them are actually employees of the hospital. They become contract workers. And that way, if they live in a market where there are three, four, five, or six hospitals, they can get practice rights from multiple hospitals depending on their patients and also the specialties of these hospitals. So when we're talking about doctors walking away from hospitals as employees, the reason you're not hearing that happening a lot, it's not because they're not declining to get vaccinated. It's because they're not employees of these institutions. They're contract laborers. Now, we're going to watch as the numbers change there because the executive order Joe Biden said it's for contractors as well as employees of all private and federal corporations. We've just seen the beginning of this, folks. And do you know that right now, every day in France, mainstream media won't cover it very much, But tens of thousands of Parisians are in the streets fighting. I mean literally fighting. I'm talking about physically fighting over the coronavirus vaccine passports that are required in France. And it's not just the passport. Of course, they're fighting the passport because they don't want to get vaccinated. We're in interesting days. Now, how about normal everyday politics? You know, things like Congress, legislation, spending money. What about the big three and a half trillion dollar bonanza, a reconciliation bill, that Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi put together as a way to pass uh, this massive spending bill without any support from Republicans in the House of the Senate? Well, as you know, the House has a little bit of a Democrat. Majority, not much. I think it's six votes out of 435. Six more Democrats than there are Republicans. So any piece of legislation that comes through, Nancy Pelosi has got to keep all of the Democrats in in the game, the Democrat game, because if she loses one or two, sometimes she's not going to get a piece of legislation passed. Over in the Senate, however, amazingly, there's a 50-50 split. Exactly, 100 senators, 50 Democrats. 50 Republicans. Right now, if there's a tie on anything, the president of the Senate, who happens to be the sitting vice president, whoever that is, will cast the deciding vote. That's Kamala Harris, the Democrat. So, any 50 50 split, it's obviously going to come down on the side of the Democrats. So, what the GOP has to do is find one or two or three or four Democrats to steal away on any contentious piece of legislation and obviously a three and a half trillion dollar reconciliation spending bill that's full of I don't even want to call it pork but it's full of wasteful money and billions of dollars being paid to certain causes and certain entities for the benefits of these Democrat members of the House and the Senate. One of those that um, has more than pretty much any other senator, Democrat in the Senate, that has been movable on some of these more conservative pieces of legislation is Senator Joe Manchin, a Democrat from West Virginia. He's been on the fence about this. He said yesterday he's not going to vote in favor of that $3.5 trillion budget reconciliation package. And it shocked a lot of people, but I think Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, they felt like they could keep Manchin. In fact... They actually have said so publicly that they're going to get him to vote their way. In fact, Joe Biden even mentioned it over the weekend. So yesterday, Manchin was on CNN's State of the Union. Dana Bash, the anchor on that show, asked him to respond to Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, who said Democrats were moving full speed ahead on that package. And even though Manchin has previously called for a pause... Manchin sits on that very important Senate Appropriations Committee. He said his main issue with the package is the price tag. He will not have my vote on three and a half, and Chuck knows that, Manchin said, adding it should be more like one and a half trillion. Yeah, let's cut it down, you know, way too much, three and a half. Let's only do one and a half trillion dollars. That's bad enough, folks. It's not going to be three and a half, Manchin said, I can assure you. He said the bill that the Democrats should be focused on is the $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill that passed in the Senate already and is sitting over at the House for action in the House of Representatives. Nancy Pelosi, Speaker Speaker of the House, won't let it come before the House to be debated. Pelosi said a vote on that bill would be held on September 27th, but progressives have threatened to vote against it if the reconciliation bill is held up in the Senate. Manchin said there's no way the reconciliation will pass this month. He said progressives are making a big mistake if they follow through on their threat. they got to do what they got to do, he said. And if they play politics with the needs of America, I can tell you Americans will recall they will recall. I just respectfully disagree with Bernie, Manchin said. That's Bernie Sanders. I've never seen this in legislation. I never thought the purposes of the progress we make in legislation was basically to hold one hostage over the other. Bernie Sanders, Senator from Vermont, very, very far, far left. I mean, he's socialist, and he's proud of it. He appeared later on the same show. He fired back, saying, the real question is whether it is appropriate for one person to destroy two pieces of legislation. Now, what happened to Joe Biden, Mr. I-want-to-bring-America-together over the weekend? You heard him right here just a little bit ago, 10 minutes ago, say, people say, why do you keep talking about bringing us together? He said, that's because that's what we have to do. We can do it. We can do it. But yet, he publicly demeans and talks bad about anybody that disagrees with him. Folks, that's part of the definition of autocracy, of an authoritarian. An authoritarian is somebody who just disdains, doesn't even consider the opinions of anybody else that work with that person or work for that person or who that person works for, like a president of the United States. And they just demand total authority over every decision that is made total authority and that's what joe biden is doing bernie sanders is blasting joe manchin for standing up for guess who the people of west virginia who he elected west virginia there were hardly any democrats that voted for joe biden there are hardly any democrats in the state of west virginia Joe Manchin is a Democrat senator. He's been elected and re-elected not because of his party affiliation, but because of what he has done when he's in Congress. Budget reconciliation rules. That's what this $3.5 trillion thing was put up for. It prevents Republicans from filibustering the $3.5 trillion bill. So Democrats only need a simple majority to pass it. So with that 50-50 Senate Democrats need every senator in their party to vote yes with Kamala Harris if she shows up I'm sure she will for that because that that gives that gives her a lot of TV time. She gets to do some interviews she's been gone, not even around since this Afghanistan thing started and speaking of the filibuster let me t- i mean I don't want to I don't want to diminish anybody by thinking you may not know or understand the filibuster, but for those of you who don't, here's what it is. That was implemented by the Senate. It's in Senate rules. And what it was implemented for was to protect the senators in the minority on any major piece of legislation so that one party that has a majority can't just blow through everybody on the other side what they think and, and what the people they represent think about any piece of legislation. And so what it means is if they filibuster, it takes two-thirds vote to be able to even bring a piece of legislation before the Senate for debate and then to get cloture so they can have a vote on it. two-thirds. And I mean, when they if, if you have the ability to filibuster, basically what that means, is the minority party is going to be able to stop any piece of legislation from going forward reconciliation is a process that the senate parliamentarian who is nonpartisan supposedly has to analyze it and see if that particular piece of legislation falls within the guidelines for a piece of legislation that can possibly by the way the rules are written and they are legally binding folks to be discussed or even brought to the floor without using the filibuster. And this particular $3.5 trillion piece of legislation was considered by the Senate Parletarian to fall within those processes so that it will only take a 50-50 vote to get it done because if they get 50 Democrats to vote for it, it's going to pass and Nancy Pelosi is she's already made it very clear it's going to pass but the other one the little one that we were talking about early Pelosi says it's not going to pass unless the two come to the house in tandem they're not going to vote on one without the other so where's that unity thing where's that hey we've got to all pull together we can't be divided all the time we got to find consensus we've got to reason with each other And when we disagree, we don't need to be vile and nasty. We need to respect the differences but just push through for the American people. Where's all that? Where's all that? They don't want to use reconciliation so they can just cram it down the throats of every conservative American. And you then, and I, and our kids and their kids and their kids' kids, and I mean six, seven, eight generations now will be paying the price for this because it's no way. It can be funded you can't come up with an extra three and a half trillion dollars of money it's not there in fact you would have to undo almost all of the already in place government spending to be able to fund a three and a half trillion dollar new piece of legislation how we get it we borrow the money and our kids pay the price
2: you're at a restaurant just after a meal. The bill comes. Sir, here's your bill. Oh my gosh, it's a whopping amount. <gasps> you pass it on to the next person. Hey. He passes it on hey. and on. Oui. Nobody likes unpleasant surprises. Well, why should you? With the new Hut's Delight meals, you won't get any surprises in your bill. Just pure value. Enjoy your favorites every day from pizzas, pastas to sides and drinks from as low as 14 ringgit per person. Available for dine in only. We're here asking people from all over what they think of lifting green tea. Let's hear what people from Texas have to say. Hmm. Mm. How about China? Hmm. Germany? Hmm. How about people from the North Pole? Hmm. Or Mars? What about mimes? Oh, right. People with their jaws wired shut? Oh. Yeah, a barbershop quartet. Hmm. Mm. You guys are great. How about race car drivers? Mm, 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 mm. What about you, high school glee club, here on a field trip? Mm, 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 mm. Well, that settles it. It sounds like everyone loves the taste of Lipton green tea. With its protective antioxidants from real tea, it's not just good for you, it's mmm
1: to you. Lipton tea can do that. Hi, Tom Bodette. Motel 6's new, improved website lets you book a room and save more for what you travel for faster than ever. Even faster than you can find your keys, which you swore were right on the little hooky thing by the garage door where they always are. And we can land a robot on a comet, but we can't keep keys from disappearing. Oh, here they are. Left them in my jacket. Don't you hate that? I'm Tom Bodette for the new, improved Motel 6.com, and we'll leave the light on for you.
0: Do you remember that movie, Shaft? Remember this song? I'm talking about Shaft. Boy, music changes through the years, has it? Wow. Talking about the big spending bills that are out there and the legislation and the contention that is everywhere in Washington, D.C. and permeates around the nation and around the world, I told you about representative brady out of texas and on friday he went to the microphone and he gave a really really good synopsis of what's going on and the horrors from what's going on regarding our government and our government spending and all of the other stuff and i mean there's a bunch of other stuff going on take a moment and listen to representative brady break this down
1: america is an optimistic nation that's just who we are Sadly today, most Americans believe our country is on the wrong track. COVID is back with a vengeance, the economy is struggling, Main Street businesses can't find workers, higher prices are eating away paychecks, crime is up, and tragically, the mightiest nation on earth just surrendered to terrorists, leaving Americans behind enemy lines. No wonder so many are disheartened. In truth, all Americans really want, of the Democrat-controlled Washington right now, is to focus on defeating COVID, rebuild a healthy economy, and stop wasting our hard-earned tax dollars. Instead, today, Speaker Pelosi and House Democrats begin ramming through trillions of wasteful spending and crippling tax hikes that will drive prices up even higher, kill millions of American jobs, and usher in a new era of government dependency with the greatest expansion of the welfare state in our lifetimes. Unbelievably, within the trillions of spending in our committee, there's not one dime to defeat COVID. Not one. But there's tons of green welfare subsidies for the wealthy, a tax windfall for millionaires and billionaires, permanent new entitlement programs that punish the dignity of work, and a crushing new mandate on local businesses that puts the IRS in charge of your sick leave. Democrats are ramming through a reckless new expansion of Medicare, just as it's a few years from bankruptcy. And how do they pay for this? By stopping life saving cures for heartbreaking diseases like Alzheimer's, ALS, cancer, and muscular dystrophy, among others. The last thing Americans need right now is trillions more in government spending that drives up prices, kills jobs, and wastes our hard earned tax dollars. Look how badly Washington spends our money. The unprecedented fraud and waste in COVID unemployment may be larger than what America spends on the Army and Navy each year. Millions face evictions from their homes because 90% of the emergency rental funding hasn't even been spent. 35 million tax returns sit unprocessed. Americans are still waiting for their stimulus check. Thousands of precious vaccines have been destroyed due to poor planning. There's no one in the Social Security offices to help you. And just try getting a call answered the IRS. Before Congress spends trillions we can't afford, let's insist on effective and efficient use of the trillions they've already spent. Americans deserve a healthy economy. That's what they got under President Trump and Republicans in Congress. Following tax reform, America jumped to the number one most competitive economy in the world. Millions of Americans were lifted out of poverty. Manufacturing research investment flowed back from overseas. And in just one year, 2019, household income grew more than in all eight years of the Obama-Biden White House combined. Poverty hit the lowest level on record, and income inequality began to shrink for the first time in half a century. Yet following the humiliating Afghanistan surrender, now President Biden is leading America on an economic surrender to China, Russia, Europe, and the Middle East. The casualties of imposing the highest tax burdens on the planet are American jobs, watching them move overseas again, along with our research, manufacturing, and patents. That's what happens when you raise America's business taxes to the worst in the world, higher than communist China, when you rig the international code to favor foreign companies and workers over American ones, and attack American-made energy with taxes that could kill a million U.S. jobs, raise fuel prices, and leave America more dependent on foreign oil. As Wall Street Journal's Kimberly Strassel wrote, this is a windfall for foreign competitors. But the real damage from Democrats crippling tax increases land on small businesses, on the middle class workers, and with a supercharged second death tax, destroy family owned farms. And yes, President Biden and Democrats are breaking their pledge to not raise taxes on the middle class. All these crippling tax hikes could kill or risk up to four million American jobs. And it comes at the worst possible time. Fighting back from the pandemic right now, we need to help businesses get back on their feet so they can get Americans back to work to rebuild a healthy economy. People are worried about higher prices in the economy. Why aren't Democrats? The economy is stalling. Businesses are fighting to fill jobs and monthly paychecks are shrinking from higher prices due to government spending. Real wages have declined since President Biden took office, declined, so families and businesses are falling farther behind each and every month. Job growth actually slowed down the first six months. Economic growth has peaked. It's downhill from here. President Biden has made zero progress getting people back to work, and the Biden jobs deficit is over 600,000 jobs short of what he promised from the last economic stimulus. No wonder consumer optimism has dropped alarmingly. So our committee begins its work today. Nobody's read the thousands of pages we'll vote on. It's been written in secret, filled with lobbyist loopholes and giveaways to special interests. But the President, Speaker Pelosi, and Democrats have promised that every dime of this massive spending will be paid for without budget gimmicks. Well, we'll see. But one thing you can absolutely count on, higher prices in our economy will only get worse if Democrats succeed in ramming through trillions of dollars in spending and tax hikes. With that, Mr. Chairman, I yield.
0: You know, Representative Brady is is not one of the... um, Republicans that you see out before television cameras very often. And he's not an abrasive guy. He's not a very aggressive guy. I mean, you can think of people like Jim Jordan on the Republican side. I mean, he's always in your face. I I love his presentation. I love the fact that he he goes for facts and he's very demonstrative. But to hear Representative Brady, he just very calmly just laid it out. And folks, if you if you listen to what he included in that, it's all truthful, it's all documented, it's all factual. Those are the kind of things that Americans need to hear and listen to, and respond to. That's the thing that just isn't happening enough. I mean, I look at what's going on on the streets of Paris. I mentioned it earlier. Parisians are—they're just—they're not going to be vaccinated. I mean, tens of thousands of them in the streets, demonstrating against their government and saying, "We are not going to do this. We don't trust it." We hear too many bad things that are documented that are adverse reactions to these vaccinations that in many cases are killing people. If we don't want it, whatever happened here in the United States to my body, my choice, oh, you can't talk about that when it comes to mandatory vaccinations. That's about abortion. We want to hang on to that when it comes to we want to slaughter babies, as many of them as we can. We want to go after the state of Texas and just destroy them. The U.S. Department of Justice just came out and screamed and hollered. They said, we're going fu- to sue the state of Texas because that's unconstitutional what their law said. Well, it's not. Now, I'm not a member of the Supreme Court. I'm not an attorney. But I can read the Constitution. I have many times. Do you know there is not one word, not one word, that even sounds like abortion in the United States Constitution. I bet you didn't even know that. We just assume, because we've been told by the left for generations, women now, because of Roe v. Wade, that legalized abortion. It's not even mentioned in Roe v. Wade. It's a scary nation, a scary situation in which we find ourselves when the Constitution and what it says doesn't even matter to people in leadership, people in very powerful positions in and outside the government. Let me just give you another example of this. You know, we keep talking and we have through the ending, actually through I guess the last three years of the Trump administration regarding the southern border stuff and building that wall and closing the southern border and how effective it was, cutting a deal with the nation of Mexico that for all of those people that come from Central America and other countries, they come across Mexico and they flood across our border and they want to file claims just to declare that because of the egregious situations they're in in their home countries, they can be given asylum in the United States. Well, what was happening before is the Homeland Security under Obama, under Biden and Obama, and even early in the Trump administration, they were just being giving, given a document with a court hearing date, and those asylum court hearings were months and months and months, even years behind, and they would tell them, you got to come back to court on this date for your asylum hearing, and then those people would just disappear into the inner parts of who knows where in the United States, never show back up. Trump said this is wrong. So he cut a deal with the Mexican president, and they created a facility back across the border in Mexico. All those people that came to the United States and filed an asylum claim, they were sent back to stay in this facility over there until their court date. So what does that mean? A bunch of them just quit coming. Illegal crossings went down. Nobody was coming. That meant what I'm about to tell you is happening right now didn't happen to those migrants that were coming from way down. Some in South America making their way across Central America and Mexico to get to the U.S. It wasn't happening. Biden, on his first day in office, tore that up. He ended that remain in Mexico policy, and that fed all of this mass migration that's happened to the tune of at least a million people. So listen what came out over the weekend. This is what's going on on Biden's watch. This is what's going on on Mayorkas' watch. Bandits have raped at least 180 migrants since May. 180 migrants raped by bandits since May. And that number includes children. All of this happened as they walked through the deadly and lawless jungle, separating Panama and Colombia on their way to our southern border. Now, who who gave this information? Well, it doesn't come from anybody political. It comes from Doctors Without Borders. They keep up, and they tallied the reported rapes. That's reported. So if 180 are reported, how many really happened? I can guarantee you far more than 180. The migrants emerge from the northern edge of the Darien Gap jungle, which is a throughway for those migrants that are bound for the U.S., including extracontinentals. That's government jargon for individuals from countries and regions that are far away from our southern border, that include the Caribbean, South America, Asia, Africa, and the Middle East. Many of those extracontinentals enter South American countries with very last, lax. Visa rules, and they travel north to Colombia to get to the southern edge of that jungle. Those who survived the journey emerge on the northern edge of the Darien in Panama, the next leg in the first country in Central America in the northbound trail to the U.S. Those rape migrants, folks, they walked from Colombia towards the U.S. border. Why did they do that? because Biden's deputies allow migrants who survived the trek to settle in the U.S. before their long-delayed asylum hearings. On Monday of last week, it was reported that gangs of armed men are raping U.S.-bound migrants, mainly on the Panamanian side of the jungle. Here's what the report said, quote, The humanitarian group Doctors Without Borders, which provides medical care to migrants in the hamlet of Bajo Chiquito, on the northern edge of the Darien in Panama says it has documented 180 cases of rape since starting operations in May. No telling how much much of this happened before May. Panamanian lawmakers who have received similar reports say they are alarmed by what they say appears to be a pattern of sexual violence against women who are en route to the U.S.-Mexican border. What surprises us is the systematic nature of this modus operandi. That was from Owen Brühl, Panama coordinator for Doctors Without Borders. Mr. Brühl said his organization doesn't know who the perpetrators were. In 70% of the cases, the victims, who include children, reported being attacked when they were still in the Panamanian territory. Folks... This craziness, it's got to stop. Americans have got to stand up and stop it. We're the only ones that can. Well, welcome back to TNN Live. Thank you so much for being here. Don't forget this show will be posted in a matter of minutes on Apple Podcast, also on Spotify Podcast, also on today's homepage, story at truthnewsnet.org. You can grab them, download them there, share them with your friends. And if you miss one, go back and get it. We're going to be here all week, tomorrow morning and every morning this week, 9 to 11 a.m. Central at TNN Live. Oh, a little relaxing Bosha music. Have a great day, folks. I'll see you tomorrow right back here. So long.
2: She's going to be up No